After yet another embarrassing loss on Sunday, the Penguins were back to work on Monday, and the lines were in a blender. Hunter and I are going to break down that and more on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in, hockey fans, to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at synonym for wet. You can follow Hunter at Hunter Hodes, and you can follow the show's account at LO underscore Penguins. We are free and available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and we thank you for making this your first listen or watch of the day because we're your team every day. And before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. If your bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So, Hunter, as I said in the open, obviously we know how bad Sunday night was losing 2-1 to one to the Los Angeles Kings on Yarmir Yager night. And on Monday, the Penguins were back to work at practice, and they threw the lines in a blender. And before we get to it, I always have to laugh because you and I are both sickos. We spend way too much time on social media talking about this team and paying attention to the takes about this team. And I always have to laugh when the Penguins roll out a new or different lineup, especially in a season like this where they're struggling because, well, hasn't worked so far. So you might as well try something new. So here was the look that the Penguins were rolling out at practice. You had a first line of Crosby, Raquel, and Rust, as expected. Second line was Evgeny Malkin in the middle between Drew O'Connor and Matthew Phillips gets a bump up to the second line. Third line of Lars Eller with Riley Smith and Valtteri Pustinen. And then a fourth line of Jeff Carter, Jansen Harkins, Colin White with Jeff Carter as your fourth line center. The big thing that everybody noticed that you and I were talking about before we hit record were the defense pairings, though, where you had P.O. Joseph on the top pairing with Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, and Eric Carlson, and then Graves and Ruedel on the third pair with guy, with Jesse Puyarvi and John Ludwig rotating in and out. So I got to be honest, I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of this. I know on this show I have said that I think P.O. Joseph this year really fumbled the bag with the opportunity he had in front of him. But at the same time, while it's a limited sample size, we do have some evidence that P.O. Joseph and Chris Letang do play fairly well together. And then that also gets you back to Carlson and Pedersen, who at the start of the season did play pretty well together. So while we can make our memes and jokes about the, the forward lines, I actually don't hate this defensive lineup. It's funny, I think, to me how P.O. Joseph goes from being a healthy scratch for John Ludwig, and then Ludwig comes back out, but then P.O. Joseph goes up to the top pair. I would say his results with Chris Letang have been, I would say, mixed over the years. They've had some good stretches together, but they've also had some bad stretches together. And I think for this, this actually might be one of his last big chances or perhaps his last big chance to make a mark in this lineup, especially with the trade deadline coming in about what two and a half weeks. Now 
at this point if you can't make it work with one of the team's top defensemen after getting some looks on the bottom pairing. I don't know if it's ever going to work out for POJ in Pittsburgh. I will say it is there's one good part about these pairings is that it's reuniting Pedersen with Carlson. That, I think, was their best pairing to start the season. Their underlying numbers proved that. And now that they're back together, maybe that gets Eric Carlson going even further for the rest of the season because, I mean, he was still playing fine next to Ryan Graves, but he wasn't nearly as good, I, I would say, as he was next to Marcus Pedersen. And then this does allow Ryan Graves to play on the third pairing with Chad Weedle. And honestly, I kind of thought Ryan Graves was playing the best hockey of his season when he was on the third pairing, kind of getting deployed against third and fourth liners. He's just not a top pairing defenseman in the NHL. Those things I don't mind as much. But again, going back to something that we talked about yesterday in, in recent episodes, these defensive groups just highlight how the Penguins still lack another true top four defenseman. Because let's face it, throughout a season, P.O. Joseph should not be getting top pairing minutes with Chris Letang. He should be getting minutes a little below that. But they just seem right now to be out of answers and they know that Ryan Graves is struggling. They demoted him. They know Pedersen works probably a bit better with Carlson. They put him with him, but then they had to make a decision. Okay. We're going to put Joseph with Latang or John Ludwig. And I honestly, I don't really think Ludwig has been playing that well lately either. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place with the rest of this defense. And until the off season comes, you're going to have to see, these types of pairings, again, they still lack a true, one more true difference maker, excuse me, on their back end. Yeah, and you touched on something I thought was really smart there. I do think this is kind of a crap or get off the pot moment for P.O. Joseph because, okay, you've struggled most of the year. Our initial plan for you is we wanted you to be the anchor on the third pairing. We wanted you to be the guy on the third pairing in that, as everyone knows, has not worked out. He has essentially lost any sort of benefit of the doubt from the coaching staff and management from being in and out of the lineup, going down to Wilkes-Barre, even though that was more of a recovery and uh, conditioning stint. And it just really hasn't worked wherever they've put them. And now I think this is the last attempt. This is okay. You've had some, some limited success with Chris Letang. And we're going to give you a shot to get back to that. And maybe this actually is just a good way uh, to showcase him ahead of the trade deadline. Because if he plays good hockey, he could maybe be an enticing piece for a contending team this year to take a chance on. And we've seen that happen in Pittsburgh a ton. You know, the, the name that always comes to mind for me is Justin Schultz. He was kind of in the same boat as P.O. Joseph is with Pittsburgh when he was in Edmonton. He was supposed to be better than he was. He struggled throughout. And now, obviously, the Oilers at that time in the 14, 15, 16 era were very underachieving, not well put together. But at the same time, there was talent there. And they send Justin Schultz to the Penguins. He plays sheltered limited minutes. He thrives in those minutes becomes a key contributor on two Stanley Cup winning teams. And maybe that could be the same for P.O. Joseph. On the flip side, however, you said in an ideal world, do you want a guy like P.O. Joseph to play top four minutes? While who he is right now, no, you don't. 
But at the same time, you ideally wanted him to turn into that kind of player. Right. And maybe with the way Chris Letang has reinvented his game this year by being more of a well-rounded 200-foot defenseman who has offensive abilities, maybe that could be a good stabilizing force for P.O. Joseph, who you can be a little bit more risk-taking with a guy like Chris Letang now. You can maybe try a couple of things now, and you have that safety net in Chris Letang with you. So I'm interested to see how that works. I'm definitely curious to watch tonight to see how they are together and then look at the numbers after to see if, okay, this lines up with some of the good games they've had together or if this lines up with some of the bad games they've had together. Because again, they've been a bit of a mixed bag together as a whole. I like the comparison to Justin Schultz a little bit, but though I will say Justin Schultz had a lot more offensive talent than P.O. Joseph, in my opinion, at the time. It was really his defense that really needed cleaned up. And by putting him with someone like Ian Cole when he came over, that was like the perfect pairing for Schultz. And it really molded him into the defenseman that he became in 2017. And then even after that as well, I think that would have to be something similar that you would see with POJ because obviously he doesn't have the offensive talent that Schultz had defensively. He's probably a bit better than Schultz was at the time. I just think he needs the right partner to succeed. I'm just, I'm still not sure that's Chris Letang. I like the point that you made as well. Maybe you're showcasing him a bit here. You can get a small return for him if you want to move him at the deadline. We see number six or number seven defensemen get moved all the time at the trade deadline. And I'm sure there is at least one team out there that would take him and just staple him to the bottom pairing or something like that, give him minutes and put him with the right partner to see how he could do. We'll have to see if, if that's in the Penguins' plans, but hey, you know, they're trying something new for the defense. We'll just have to see how it goes. Forwards wise, it is funny. I mean, Matthew Phillips on Evgeny Malkin's line. I don't necessarily hate that as much as others do. I actually thought Matthew Phillips had a pretty solid debut game against the Kings, had a couple quality chances, almost set up a goal to Lars Eller that he kind of flubbed on. I liked him in that game, but the fourth line, man, Harkins with Colin White and then Jeff Carter. At this point, Jansen Harkins and Colin White are just kind of the Tanner Glass and Craig Adams of this era. They just won't come out of the lineup, and they also just don't do anything when they are in the lineup. So Mike Sullivan likes them, I guess, for some divine reason. And again, I know Achari is hurt. I know Nieto is hurt, but you have Pujarvi right there. We will have to see if he gets scratched in this one, and if he is scratched in this game, I'm kind of going to be a little upset because Pujarvi is better than both of those players. The third line is what it is, Smith, Eller, Pustinen. We all know what the bottom six is at this point, Pat. There's not enough depth. There's not enough offensive punch. What you see for the most part is what you're going to get out of this bottom six. And even for the top six, you know, Drew O'Connor on Evgeny Malkin's left wing. I like DOC. I think he's had a pretty decent year, but he's not a top six winger. And that second line or fixing that second line to give Geno some wingers for next season is going to be very high up on Kyle Dubas's list during the offseason. So some things I like about these changes, but also quite a few things that I really don't like. And we should mention Magnus Helberg is still with the team as a third goalie, but it doesn't look like that's really going to mean anything for this game, Pat. Mike Sullivan just announced that Alex Delkovic is going to get the start against the Islanders. He also did say that Tristan Jari is available to back up. So I think Helberg was recalled just as a precaution because it sounded like one of the two goalies was a bit sick. I know some people were speculating that Delkovic was maybe going to get traded over these next couple of days, but nope, that's not going to happen. He's going to start in this game. And by all intents and purposes, Jari 
is good enough to back up. So I think those will be the two goalies that you see out there tonight. And if Helberg gets reassigned, we'll have to see if that moves comes. But just wanted to clarify that for everyone as well. Yeah, I never really saw this as a pending trade just because they probably they had enough lead in time that they could have made a recall and then made the trade. So end of the day, it just felt like a, a precautionary thing in case one of the two, whomever it was, which Sullivan is not telling us, was there. That way they had that safety net just in case they needed it. Right. Again, before we wrap up this segment, I, I, I just you said it already. The, the depth is just not there. I don't understand why Jesse Pujarvi is not getting as much time as other people. Has he been? Has he been great? No. Has he been good? Yeah, he's been all right. But at the same time, are you really going to tell me he's not as good as Jansen Harkins or Colin White? Mm, I don't think I'm buying that. So, really, a head scratching move. I know that they're probably thinking they got to manage workload given what he has gone through for the last year. But at the same time, I, I don't think he's shown that he's really that rusty. He, he, again, hasn't been great, but I don't think he's done anything so bad that he's warranted being taken out of the lineup. So that is going to do it for this first segment. When we come back, we are going to preview tonight's game against the New York Islanders. But before we do that, we have to tell you about our sponsor, and that is FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook sponsor of the NBA. Okay, we're back here on the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. And yes, us sickos, we have another Penguins game to watch tonight. When the New York Islanders come to town, to play the Pittsburgh Penguins at PPG Paints Arena. It's a huge Metropolitan Division matchup because right now, if you look at the state of the playoff race, the Penguins find themselves three points behind the New York Islanders who currently have 58 points and are sitting themselves all... <laughs> they are sitting themselves all the six points out. And this is a game that you have to win tonight. It is a huge swing. And it's a game you and I have talked about on this pod a lot. This cannot be a three-point night. This cannot go past regulation. You have to win this game in regulation, a clean two points, and that puts you one point behind them. And I know this is you know, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner here, but it'll put them right back in the race if they win. But we've had that we've had that rug pulled out from under us plenty of times already this season. We got the copium to start the second segment, my friends. If they win this game, yeah, they're right back in the race. I guess a little bit, just a little bit. But they play an Islanders team that they have beaten twice this past season already. They steamrolled them on the island and chased Sorokin, and that game Sorokin got absolutely crushed in that one. And then. They won the second meeting in Pittsburgh. That was a bit of a closer game, but the Penguins still were able to be the better team and that one. Luckily, Pat, Penguins, they have taken four clean points from the Islanders this year. And the Islanders in general, they're just not a very good team. You look at the standings right now, 
they are six points out of the playoff spot. But the only reason they are even in the race, if you even want to call it that, is because of their loser points. They've blown quite a few leads, but they've gotten loser points. They've just not been able to get extra points in overtime or a shootout. They have been dreadful in the extra session this year. You look at their overall record. You take out those overtime losses and you stack them with the regular losses. This is a 22-32 and 32 team. Their 22 wins rank 28th in the NHL. Yet, they're more in the race than the Penguins are because of the NHL's point system. This is not a good team. This is a game that the Penguins can definitely win. They've already beaten the Islanders twice this year. Yeah, the Islanders will be a bit more healthy for this one. Pelic will be back. Pulak will be back. Matt Barzell is especially playing really well under new head coach Patrick Waugh. He's been really unlocking him these last couple of weeks. But this is still an Islanders team. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. This is not Barry Trotz hockey anymore. They're more fire wagon hockey at this point, and they give up quite a few chances. And also, if it is Ilya Sorokin starting tonight, he hasn't played that well this season. I mean, he's started, he's played in 39 games, 16 and 12 and 11 this year, 3.1 goals against average, only a 9 10 save percentage. And that's someone who I think is one of the three best goalies in the league when he is on his game. He's not playing well at all this season. The Penguins have had success against him in the two games. That's going to have to continue if they want to win this one. If they do go to Semyon Varlamov, he's played in 17 games. He has a 9-12 save percentage, 2.9 goals against average. So the numbers are pretty similar, but the Islanders as a team are just such a mess defensively, even with Pelic and Pulak in the lineup, that the chances will be there for the Penguins. They just have to convert on them. And then, and vice versa, the Islanders, I mean, you we all know who their big guns are. Barzell is having a good year. Bo Horvat is playing pretty well. Brock Nelson, 23 goals, 43 points in 54 games. Honestly, I think Nelson is having a bit more of a down year than I think some people expected. And I think he's usually one of the best goal scorers in the league. But he does kill the Penguins. I would not be surprised if he does score in this one. And then you have Noah Dobson. That's the last big impact player that I would have for the Islanders. Maybe if you want to throw Kyle Palmieri in there. I guess, and we all know Anders Lee, he, even though he hasn't been that good this season, he still always scores against the Penguins, but Noah Dobson, he is in the Norris Trophy race this season. He's been one of the best defensemen in the league. Those are the main impact players for the Islanders, but again, the Penguins, the opportunity is there for them to really feast on a terrible defensive team, get some pucks past Sorokin as they've done this year, and also get to work on, you know, if they really want to quote unquote, save their season. They were talking last week, oh, we're going to make the playoffs by the end of the year. Okay, that push needs to start yesterday. And I know they didn't play yesterday, but you all get what I'm saying. It's Groundhog Day all over again. The, yes. the push to the playoffs needs to start now. Two weeks later, the push to the playoffs needs to start now. We, I've been, we've been saying it for weeks. Like you were saying, though, you know, this is when it comes to the Islanders goaltending, this is very similar to what we talked about last week with the Chicago Blackhawks and, and Peter Morazic, where he they're both not playing horribly. They're just not getting a lot of help in front of them, which is crazy to say about the New York Islanders, because we as Penguins fans have been absolutely tortured over the past few years by a New York Islanders team that played slow, boring, methodical defensive hockey and on top of that, had great goaltending. So those are games that give not just the Penguins, most teams fits because it is an incredibly frustrating brand of hockey to play, even more frustrating to watch. 
And then you get into the state of the playoff race and the standings in the Eastern Conference and the Metropolitan Division. And it really is a tale of two different teams here. Everybody knows the Penguins Achilles heel right now is their power play. It is the probably the A1 reason that they are really struggling this year. And depth scoring. But then you look at the advanced numbers and... Islanders, bottom third of the league in shot attempts and possession, bottom third of the league in expected goals, and then you go to the Penguins, exact opposite, top 10 in the league in both of those categories. So you have a team that can't get a save and doesn't have the puck, and then you have a team that has the puck and cannot score. So Dark Knight rises here. It is an unstoppable force meets an immovable object tonight at PPG Paints Arena. A team that can't score goes up a team against a team that can't get a save. And because this is how the world works, somebody is going to have to come out with a victory. I like the I like the way you put that, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, there's really not too much else we can say about the Penguins or the Islanders that we haven't said in the two other previews that we've had for these two teams this year. I mean, I will say for the Islanders, they still have a very lethal power play. It ranks seventh in the NHL at 23.8%. Penguins are going to have to be on high alert for that, considering the finishers the Islanders do have on that unit. But penalty kill wise, the Islanders at 70.7% worst penalty killing team in the league going up against the Penguins power play that has one of the three worst power plays in the league. So someone is going to have to win that battle as well. Oh, uh, but in in the last two things on that for the power play, it's what we've been saying for the last couple of months. There has to be a shoot first mentality. There has to be urgency tonight. Any chance you get against a bottom PK team like this, you got to take advantage. You have to put pucks on the net. You have to keep them on their heels and you have to capitalize when you get the chances. Finally, as an overall point for the game tonight, we know this from the last few years of watching the New York Islanders. You cannot get sucked into the extracurriculars. They are going to poke and prod you. They're going to agitate you. They're going to do a lot of things that they're going to try to get you off your game and focus more on getting pulled into the mud with them than winning a hockey game. And given where both these teams are in the standings right now, the Penguins more so than the Islanders cannot afford to get caught up in a game like that. You have to focus on putting the puck in the net and getting the two points. Yes. Right. Don't shy away. Don't, you know, turn the other cheek every single time. Eventually you got to let them know you're there, but do not get caught up in any of that. I agree. And you know what you're going to get, especially from their quote unquote identity line of Matt Martin, Casey, Sissikis, well, Cal Clutterbuck. <laughs> that line is probably the most overrated line in hockey. It's been the most overrated line in hockey for the last several years. Islanders fans always say it's the best fourth line in hockey, or they were saying it for quite a long time. It was never the best fourth line in hockey. They don't get a lot of offense from any of those three players. Their situation is just trying to get under the other team's skin. And you know, they've done that to the Penguins multiple times, especially with Martin and Clutterbuck, who that's what they do at this point. Sezikis at least gives you a little bit of offense, but their identity line doesn't really do anything for the most part at this stage. You said it. Focus on the two points. Focus on everything else in this game outside of that line and what they're going to do to get under your skin. And the Penguins should be fine, you would think, coming out of this one. And 
This is the third of four meetings. They play again, final night of the regular season. We'll have to see if that means something for both these teams because there's a chance that both these teams could be eliminated by then, even though before the season, both of us were circling that game thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's going to be for the final playoff spot in the conference. It's not looking like it right now. Things could change, but still, it is kind of funny that they don't play again for a couple months in a game that you know might not even matter, even though it felt like it was going to matter for quite a while. So matchup number three is tonight at seven o'clock at PPG Paints Arena. So we will be watching that one and we will have a recap for you tomorrow. And when we come back, we are going to hear tomorrow afternoon from Penguins president of hockey operations, Kyle Dubas. We're going to do a teensy bit of speculating on what he may talk about. But before we do that, we have to tell you about our next sponsor. And that is game time. You guys, by this point, absolutely know the story i love to tell when we have the game time ad here on locked on penguins and that was when i was in high school bought tickets to a penguins game at old melon arena from a scalper me and my buddy we got the tickets we walked in it scanned it worked we're walking up the stairs to our section and it was for a row that did not exist inside of melon arena but you shouldn't have to worry about when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And then you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, we're back here for one last segment on the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Patrick Damp, joined as always by the legendary Hunter Hodes. And tomorrow, we get to hear from the man himself. It was announced yesterday that the Penguins president of hockey operations and general manager, Kyle Dubas, will meet with the media for a press conference to talk about, we don't know yet. This is his second one this season. He had the one a couple of months ago where he put up his self-imposed deadline for this team, which was the all-star break when he said he was going to make a decision on what direction to go for the rest of the season heading into the trade deadline. So at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say when he emerges tomorrow to speak with everybody, we're going to get something of an update on that. I don't think he's going to come out and reveal his entire grand plan but I do think we're going to get some clarity on what he feels this team is lacking, what it needs, and where he thinks it needs to go. The biggest thing I don't want him to do tomorrow is you know, dance around the obvious questions of you know, what you're going to do with the trade deadline, think about next season, all that. Just come out and tell the fans and everyone just what your thought process is, at least a little bit, heading into the deadline. Are you going to sell off some assets? Are you going to stand pat? Heck, are you even going to buy a little bit, even though that's a very low possibility right now, and, and it should be, 
but it's still a question that he needs to answer. I also want to hear from him what he does think this team has been lacking this year. What does he think about the bottom six and the lack of scoring from those two lines? What does he think about the power play? Why has it not been able to click this year? Why has he maybe been continuing to keep Tar Reardon on his staff? I imagine he's going to get a question about that as well. I just want to see a semblance of some plan for him for the deadline, the rest of the season, and at least a hint of maybe what could come this summer. Again, I don't need a full grand plan outline like you're writing a five-paragraph essay or anything like that, but just give the fans and everyone at least something to think about for the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah, and I want to make sure we manage some expectations here for our listeners. There's going to be a lot of coach and general manager speak where they say what they say just hem and haw, a lot of coach speak, a lot of double talk, a lot of non-answers. And that's not because he's ducking questions. It's not because he doesn't have answers. It's because nobody ever gives you that answer. They just don't. I would like to see from him. I would like to see him be a little bit bluntly honest, though. I would like him to say that this season has not lived up to expectation. This team has not done enough to be a contending team. At the same time, I was saying this the other day to a friend of mine. I don't want to see him do the fall on the sword routine. I don't want to hear him say, oh, you know, this team is out of a playoff position and we're fighting to get into the playoffs and that falls on my shoulders. That's on me. I, I you know, I, I have to be better, blah, blah, blah. Because A, we know that, that that's, that's an obvious thing to say. We know, and it, we have said on this show, you said it on the show before I got here, his July 1st was unimpressive. But the other thing that I will raise to people at the same time is he did not have a ton of runway with the Penguins when he got here. It was he got hired and next thing you know, it's the draft. Next thing you know, it's free agency. Now, that's not an excuse because you spent years with the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's two teams that are built in a very similar manner with a lot of money to the superstars. Depends on a lot of big guns to perform well. So I don't doubt that he had similar plans in Toronto that he just kind of copy and pasted for the Penguins. But I do think he deserves a little bit of grace because whirlwind pace for him both getting to pittsburgh building a staff going to the draft and then going into free agency so didn't have the longest runtime still deserves criticism for the way this team is built could have done a better job building the depth but i don't need him to come out and be a martyr and say oh i you know this team's not as good as it should be that falls on me it's my fault i gotta be better blah 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 don't need that from you but I do want, like you said, I do want there to be clarity on, listen, are we going to be active at the trade deadline? Are we not going to be active at the trade deadline? What do you think of the coaching staff? What do you think of this team at large? Don't be afraid, as I've said, to give this team a little bit of a kick in the pants. You don't have to go out there and cut a WWE promo on them and tell them how they're the worst hockey team that's ever played and all this stuff, but you can say that they have underachieved and they have not lived up to expectations because I think even the guys in that room would absolutely agree with that fact. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I don't need him to go full Jim Rutherford and just eviscerate the team like he did, what was it, 2018, 2019, when they had a really bad start to the season and he just went on there and crushed the team. I don't think Kyle Dubas is going to do that. I think he's going to be 
careful with his answers, but I do want him to challenge everyone at this press conference, challenge the players, challenge especially the coaching staff who is getting a lot of heat this season. And I think a lot of it is especially warranted. Challenge all these people to be better down the stretch of the season and potentially into the offseason. And I do think both things can be true. He didn't have a lot of time after he accepted the job with the Penguins, but he also knew quite a bit about this year's free agency class because you're preparing for this throughout the season. You know who's going to be hitting the market on July 1. That is public information. And even though he didn't have a lot of time, and yes, Hextall left a mess, he still decided to make some questionable signings. That's going to have to be cleaned up over the summer, which is why I'm not like out on him, but I want to see what he can do with a full offseason, especially if this team does miss the playoffs. Because if they do miss it, you know, you'll have a good bit of April to work on some stuff. You'll have May, you'll have all of June, especially, and then heading into the draft, heading into free agency, and then all of that good stuff even after that as well. Yeah, that 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 kind of sums up what I was saying is that like he doesn't get a full pass, but it does have to be better. And I think with a full off season, he will be better. So that is going to do it for this edition of the lockdown penguins podcast, penguins and Islanders tonight at seven o'clock Kyle Dubas media availability tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow afternoon to give you a recap of that game, as well as our reactions to the Kyle Dubas presser. But for now for Hunter Hodes, I am Patrick damp. Thank you as always for tuning in and we will talk to you tomorrow.